Church, our Savior loves us with an everlasting and unfailing love. Let's open his word this morning. Let's open the scriptures and hear from him. We open to the book of Revelation as we continue our message series there. If you're using a pew Bible, you can find the text on page 991. We'll be in Revelation chapter 1 today. But I want to begin by uh, thanking you, church, for giving financially to our Growing Together building uh, campaign. Over the last 10 months or so, together you have given over $700,000 toward this building project. So thank you. Uh, The Lord is providing. And as we continue to give toward that project, let me also encourage you to continue giving generously and faithfully and sacrificially toward our Uh, general budget fund for our general fund supports all of our ministries all of our mission endeavors locally nationally and throughout the world and uh, our general fund uh, is lagging a bit behind as we prepare to enter into the fourth quarter and so let's continue to take what God has given us what he has entrusted to us and give it to him for his his purposes Uh, but this week uh, our contractors began to begin digging uh, foundation footings And soon we'll begin to see a a structure going up. And you know, it's a lot easier to get excited about something and to grasp something like a new ministry space uh, when we can actually see it, right? In fact, uh, this picture up on the screen may begin to uh, initially get toward that. Uh, If you've got really good eyes and you already know something about our space and you know how to read a, a floor plan, uh, then this might help just a bit, but uh, probably doesn't really light your fire. But if we put another picture up, an exterior rendering that's with color and 3D, uh, it begins to look good. It begins to put some things into perspective. We can get excited about what is happening when we can begin to visualize where something's going. And you know, church, it's the same thing when it comes to living for Christ. When it comes to following Christ. In order to be excited about living for Jesus, we need to see who He is. We need a a proper picture of Him. We need to know who He is. We need to see Jesus. A proper portrait of Jesus provides the only suitable perspective For living as his people in the world. A proper portrait of Jesus. A right picture of him and who he is. Provides the only suitable perspective. For living as his people in the world. Church that's what the book of Revelation is. It is a glorious portrait of Jesus Christ. And a call for believers to live lives of devotion to him. A vision that fuels faith and faithfulness. In a sense, the whole book of Revelation is a vision, a vision from and about Jesus given to John for the church. And within that vision, there are seven visions of Christ with symbols and language and imagery that's all rooted in in the scriptures, rooted in the Old Testament. Today, we look at the first of these visions of Christ. So let's open the text of God's word. Let's open with a desire to see Jesus. We want to See Jesus. As you find your place there in Revelation chapter 1, let me invite you to join me standing for the reading of God's Word. Revelation 1, beginning in verse 9 to the end of the chapter. 
Bible reads, I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you see. And send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace. And his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. And coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun. Shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though... Dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. And now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, what you have seen. What is now and what will soon what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we give you thanks this morning for your word. We thank you that we can read it, we can hear it, and by your grace, the presence and power of your spirit, we can live in light of it. So Lord, help us to understand the truths found therein and live in light of them. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, church, you may be seated. Well, John has already identified himself as the human author of this letter twice in verse 1 and again in verse 4. And now he does so again here. This is John the Apostle, one of the original 12 disciples, one who was in the inner circle of Jesus' friends and, and followers. This is also the John who wrote the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, and the John who wrote three epistles, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. But by now he's an old man. Probably writing sometime around A.D. 95. And he's writing from the island of Patmos in the Aegean Sea off the coast of modern day Turkey. He's been exiled there for his proclamation of the gospel of Jesus. During the reign of the Roman emperor Domitian. You see, John's life and mission was to proclaim the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Verse 9. And that commitment has now landed him in exile. And not so much because he's an outspoken critic of the king, but because he claims an allegiance to a higher king. And church, this is not all that different from what many believers in certain parts of the world, places like North Korea and China, are facing today for claiming ultimate fidelity to Jesus Christ rather than to the state. John writes to believers... He writes to the church, specifically to these seven churches. But as we've stated before, these seven churches represent all churches. He writes as one of them, 
a fellow member of Christ's kingdom, one who is suffering for the faith, patiently enduring this life in anticipation of eternal life. In other words, John writes to encourage the church in the faith as the church remains in the world, in a world opposed to the faith. The Spirit of God gives John this glorious vision of the living Christ. And John is commanded first of 12 times in this book to write it down. Write down what you've seen and pass it on. This isn't John's vision. John doesn't own the vision. The vision owns him. John's not interested in giving opinions but is committed to delivering Christ's message. Doug Webster helpfully comments on this and notes that when John writes, he steps back and he hides behind Christ. And he does so, church, because he knows that a proper portrait of Jesus provides the only suitable perspective for living as his people in the world. When John turns around, verse 12, he sees candlelight. These seven golden lampstands recalling the once functioning temple as the house of God and place of worship. And he sees these lampstands illuminating Christ. Jesus is present personally among his people, among the church, and his people portray his glory in the world. Overwhelmed and humbled. John begins to pen this portrait that declares that Jesus is the ultimate prophet, great high priest, and sovereign king. Jesus is the ultimate prophet, the great high priest, and the sovereign king. Chapter 1, verse 5, he is the ruler of the kings of the earth. He's the sovereign king. He's the one, verse 13, like a son of man, the coming son of man of Daniel's vision recorded in Daniel 7, whose kingdom would never, ever be destroyed. Chapter 1, verse 1, this is the revelation from Jesus Christ. As the ultimate prophet, Jesus proclaims God's truth. And in the incarnation, he embodies God's truth. He is God and he speaks for God and he always speaks in accordance with the scriptures. With what has gone before. And perhaps this is what John is emphasizing when he says that he turned around, verse 12, to see the voice behind him. In fact, Revelation has more allusions to the Old Testament than any other New Testament book does. John's vision paints Jesus as the ultimate prophet, the sovereign king, and the great high priest, dressed in a robe, verse 13, reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. Scrubs to a surgeon and a jersey to an athlete. So robes and sashes to priests. This is his priestly garb. Recall in Hebrews chapter 4. Therefore since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven. Jesus the son of God. Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Church we have a priest who mediates for us. A reminder that we need forgiveness. Jesus presents our case before God. White hair recalls Daniel's vision of the ancient of days and projects wisdom. He is the all wise one. The first and the last, the alpha and the omega, the one who is and who was and who is to come. But also the one whose blood washes our sin away and makes us white makes us white as snow. 
Jesus provides forgiveness. He provides forgiveness. To see Jesus is to see that he provides forgiveness of sins. The great high priest, full of wisdom and providing forgiveness, also sees us fully. He sees fully. Unlike the glazed over idols, uh, glazed over eyes of, of idols, his eyes were like blazing fire, John says. Penetrating, piercing, judging the spiritual condition of his people among whom he both resides and over whom he presides. Because God sees us fully. Friends, we can identify with with David. We can join with David in Psalm 139 and pray and search me, God, and know my heart. Test me. You already test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. A proper portrait of Jesus provides the only suitable perspective for living as his people in the world. Who is this Jesus? He is the one who provides forgiveness. He is the one who sees us fully. And he is the one who defeats all idols. He defeats idols. John says his feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace. You won't find bronze on the periodic table because bronze is an alloy. This is made of copper combined with other metals to increase strength and and stiffness. First century Christians lived in a, a day and a time where they were surrounded by carved images and idols. Representing non-existent gods and under the rule of a Roman emperor who decorated Rome with his own image and expected his subjects to call him our Lord and our God. 21st century Christians live in the midst of celebrity worship and the idolization of personal freedom and pleasure. Impressive yet lifeless images and idols are no match for the the swift and strong Savior King. He provides forgiveness. He sees us fully. He defeats idols and he speaks and cannot be silenced. He speaks and cannot be silenced. And his voice, verse 15, his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. Ever stood next to a waterfall and tried to speak over it? You can't compete with it. You can't overpower it and you don't wait for it to stop. It is unending and unstoppable. Which calls psalmist words in Psalm 46, verse 6. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. God lifts his voice. The earth melts. But it isn't just the earth. It isn't just this earth. It isn't just this terrestrial ball of rock and soil and oxygen and water and life that bows before Christ. He sustains the universe. He sustains it all. In his right hand, John says, verse 16, in his right hand he held seven stars. Verse 20, he speaks up. Jesus speaks up. He says, the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. You see, he rules over his church and he rules over the angels in heaven and he rules over the stars in the sky. They are all under his sovereign control. Christ rules over it all. As the choir sang moments ago, 
Son is the image of the invisible God. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. The firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. The proper portrait of Jesus provides the only suitable perspective for living as his people in the world. We need to see Jesus. We need to see the one who is the ultimate prophet and the great high priest and the sovereign king. Who is he? He's the provider of forgiveness. He's the one who sees us fully. He's the one who defeats idols and who speaks and cannot be silenced, who sustains the universe and the one who exposes and judges human hearts with his word. He exposes and judges human hearts with his word. Verse 16, in his right hand he held seven stars and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. See, the words that exit the Word made flesh are the perfect, penetrating, piercing Word of God. Human words are often tainted by propaganda and sales tactics and gossip and excuses. And they are no match for His Word. Proclamation that exposes our inability to measure up. Our inability to worship God fully on our own. Our inability to fulfill our God-given purpose. For the Word of God is alive and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. He exposes and judges human hearts with His Word. And He is the light who reveals truth and glory. He's the light who reveals truth and glory. John says his face was like the sun. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. As the light, he brings true knowledge, purity, the very presence of God. The same truth that John had emphasized decades earlier in the prologue to his gospel. John chapter 1, verse 4, in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Friends, this is who he is. This is the Jesus we adore. This is the Savior we worship. This is the Christ we follow. Let's see him for who he is. Majestic and magnificent. Mighty yet merciful. Is this the Jesus you know? Friends, this is the Jesus we need to know. This is the real Jesus, the the only one who can truly woo hearts and call faithful witnesses. Church, seeing Christ's glory must captivate and commission us. Seeing His glory must captivate and commission us. Absolutely overwhelmed by this glorious portrait of King Jesus, John falls to the ground as though dead. He's encountered the unequaled one, the almighty one, and he knows it. There's nowhere to run, nowhere to hide, only surrender. And when you surrender to the Son of God, you are always met with grace. John is met with abundant grace. The Son of God says, do not be afraid. 
I am the first and the last. I'm the living one. I was dead. And now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death in Hades. Though you suffer, our king says, I am sovereign. Though you face uncertain days here, your future is in my hands. The future belongs to my people. Death answers to me and you are mine. Press on. Speak the truth. Follow me. Church seeing Christ's glory must captivate and commission us. We need to see his glory. How then do we see his glory? By feasting on his word. See Christ's glory by feasting on his word. Let's read the word. Let's listen to his word. Let's meditate on and memorize and study and obey the word. For the written word reveals the truth. The truth about God. The truth about us. And the truth about the glorious gospel of Jesus. John begins the revelation from Jesus Christ. It's his word. It says chapter 1 verse 3. He says blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it. Because the time is near. And he ends the book, Revelation chapter 22, verse 18. He says, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of the scroll, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plague described in the scroll. And if anyone takes words away from the scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this scroll. A warning about altering God's word. A fitting conclusion to the book of Revelation and a fitting conclusion to the Bible. See Christ's glory by feasting on his word as you wait patiently. Believers wait patiently. But this is not your home. Wait patiently here on this earth until your Savior, the eternal King, comes for you. Revelation 22, verse 20. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. The Lord says, I'm, I'm coming soon. And John replies, he says, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Wait patiently for the consummation of eternity with Jesus as you stand faithfully. Stand faithfully. John writes to the church. He writes to believers who are threatened by persecution, but also tempted with complacency and compromise. Don't compromise the gospel truth. And don't settle for a weak, flawed, or shallow portrait of Jesus Christ. See Jesus for who he really is, for a proper portrait of Jesus. Proper picture and understanding, recognition of Jesus provides the only suitable perspective for living as his people in the world. A portrait that propels us as his people to witness continually for him. Witness continually. Witness to the gospel. Witness to the grace and love and the mercy of God until he returns, share the truth. And friends, this is the key application of the truths of the book of Revelation. Witness continually, despite opposition, despite suffering, despite ridicule, despite insult or discomfort or cost. Share and show the glory and the grace of Jesus Christ. What might this look like? No doubt it might look all sorts of different ways for Different ones of us, but perhaps this means inviting our neighbors into our home. Sharing a meal with them, befriending them, modeling hospitality to them, and seeking opportunities to talk about the faith. Perhaps this means becoming an encourager in the workplace. 
complimenting others and thanking them for the contribution. Perhaps it means talking about the grace of Christ on social media and interacting with others there with that same grace. Maybe it means volunteering at a local school, helping a neighbor with yard work or tutoring a struggling student. All of these are opportunities to witness to the glory and the grace of Jesus Christ. John says, this is Jesus. This is Jesus. Don't miss him. Look at him. Look to him. Take him in. Get to know him. Share him with the rest of the world until he returns. For a proper portrait of Jesus provides the only suitable perspective for living as his people in the world. Father, help us to live for you. Help us, Lord, to be people who see Christ high and exalted, seated on the throne, and who bow before him, who bow before him in our hearts and our minds and with our lives. Lord, may we live for you. Father, may your spirit guide us and lead us to feast on your word and to stand faithfully and to witness continually or to serve you. Father, I pray that you would hear us now as we respond to Jesus Christ, as we respond to your word, as we bow before you, as we sing your praises, as we commit to follow you, Lord, as we confess sin before you. Would you guide us? Would you lead us? Would you shape us and be glorified in us? It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.